And a very good evening to you and welcome to People of Note on Classic 1027. As you heard, I'm Richard Cock, and every Sunday at this time from 6 to 8, we talk to someone who is a person of note and listen to music of their choice. My guest in tonight's program is Karen Burma, who is a veterinary surgeon and also the head rider of the SA Lipitzanas. Welcome. Thank you very much, Richard. It's great to have you on the program. I don't think I've ever had anyone from the Lipitzanas on the program, although I know all about them because once we used them in a concert uh, at the um, Linda Auditorium, not inside, but outside. We had a big fireworks concert and the horses were there and we played music for them to dance to. And I see some of the music here, so uh, I guess you must still use some of that music. We do. Some of the music is uh, very old and very well used and still very beautiful. So tell us about the, the Lipitzanas. Um, there's an amazing story about them, how they came to South Africa. So let's hear that first. Indeed, yes. Uh, the Lipitzanas were essentially rescued from war-torn Europe at the end of the Second World War. The a stud in Hungary um, owned by Count Jankovic Bejan was evacuated by him in the later months of 1944 because he wanted to save his Lipitzanas from the Russian army arriving. And uh, he harnessed his horses to carts and carriages, and they just traveled west and ended up in a town called Sinchen in Bavaria, where they then had to cover the horses with paraffin and oil because obviously in Germany there was famine going on and anything and everything that moved was potential food. So they wanted to protect their horses from being eaten. And that actually worked. They looked sick and not palatable, so they kept them safe that way. Then in the after the war, he moved them to England. And uh, from there, he traveled to South Africa because he realized that his, his stud in Hungary was gone forever. So he would have to find a new place to stay. And he ended up in the port of Durban. And uh, that was in 1948. And late in 48, the Lipizzanas arrived by boat there as well. And uh, we actually celebrated our 70th anniversary in South Africa last year. And uh, he set up a new stud in Moy River and um, bred Lipizzanas there. And then in 1961, he, um, sorry, in 1957, he met um, George Ivanovsky at the Royal Show in Peter Maritzburg, and he offered him a Lipizzaner horse to train. And that horse's name was Maestoso Erdem, and that was the first horse in South Africa that, prese that then presented high school dress art. And George Ivanovsky set up a, a riding team, and uh, he built the first indoor hall in South Africa back in 1969, which was then opened in 1971 by Colonel Hans Hendler, who was the chief rider at the Spanish Riding School in Vienna at the time. And uh, we still train in that hall today. And um, he made that team, it insisted, consisted of, uh, of ladies initially, housewives, really, four ladies and he himself, and they traveled countrywide to give performances. And that way the team grew, and now we have a, a team of well, 36 horses at the center and 36 horses at the stud farm. That's an amazing story. And here's one of the pieces that they performed to. It's the famous Boccherini Minuet. The famous Boccherini Minuet from the String Quintet in E major, played there by the National Symphony Orchestra. And I well remember playing that when the horses performed uh, at the uh, Witz Education Campus, as it is now. Uh, when we had our fireworks concert. Now, I remember they had to be removed before we did the fireworks because they, they would get too jittery, I think. 
Yes, that's like, probably like the safe thing to bombs do. Bombs and things, yeah. No. However, we have put them through a lot of things, I must admit. Um, we had one horse that we got to the top of the Santon Convention Center and he traveled in lift. <laughs> so it is actually amazing how much these horses put up with if you just give them enough time to think about it. And also, I think it's it's important that the person that they are with is a person that they trust. Yeah. So we would always send them with the rider that they're familiar with. We have um, horses allocated to us. Everybody has a certain number of horses that we work with. And uh, the trust develops there and the bond. But they are a very particular type of horse also, aren't they? Yes, they are. They are a Baroque type horse. So they what are... Is, what does that mean? It's a, it's a Spanish origin horse, essentially. There are three breeds that we lump together as the Baroque type horse. It's the Lipitana, the Andalusian and the Lusitano. And they are smaller horses, not what we normally see in competition nowadays. They go from about 14.3 to 15.3 hands high, which is a small breed. They are particularly strong, though. They have deep chests. They have a big crest. They have larger, larger heads than some of the more modern type horses. And their gait is slightly different as well. They don't travel, they don't cover so much ground. They have a lot of cadence. And it was because they used to have to carry the, the soldiers and the knights with their heavy armor. So they needed a strong horse and a brave horse because they were expected to, to charge in the cavalry. And, and they were actually, they were trained as battle horses, weren't yes, they? Yes, yeah. absolutely. And they were bred as battle horses. I can't, um, the Emperor Maximilian started the breeding program 450 years ago, and we still follow the same breeding lines. And are the horses that you've got here in South Africa, are they still as pure as the ones that are anywhere else? Are there any anywhere else? Yes. They, they, to answer the first question, yes, they are as pure as they were initially. And uh, there are horses, there are Lipizzanas everywhere else in the world. We are not at, at all unique. Of course, there's the famous Spanish riding school in Vienna. That is where all our horses originate from. Um, there is a franchise in Japan that is supported by the Spanish riding school in Vienna. There's another one in Chile. There are the Tempelhof Lipizzanas in the United States. So we see the breed all over the world, but in very small numbers. There are probably about 4,000 Lipizzanas in the world. And we have about Gosh. 72 of them. Gosh. So it is relatively rare. Yes, yeah. it is. It's not a run-of-the-mill breed because they are more specialized type of horses. And here's your next choice, which is the famous Hornpipe by George Frederick Handel from the Water Music Suite. That was the Hornpipe from the Water Music Suite by George Frederick Handel, played by the Scottish Chamber Orchestra, the choice of Karen Burma who is a vet and the head rider of the South African Lipizzanas. And we were just hearing that there are several other groups of them around the world. In the original place that they came from, are there any there now? Yes. The, um, Hungary still has Lipizzanas. Croatia still has Lipizzanas. They, it, in, in Croatia, it is a bit of a national monument as well. The Croatians are a little bit sore um, because we have got two mare lines that Count Jankovic Bajan removed from Hungary, and they are extinct over there, and we have them here. So we have been in contact with the Croatians, actually. They have come and done a lot of genetic testing on our horses to make sure that they are still pure, which is why I can with confidence say that. And they are thinking about importing two mares so that they can reintroduce those two mare lines back into their country. 
And is this an easy thing to do, to move horses around the world? No. Um, unfortunately, especially not from South Africa, because we have something called African horse sickness. Which has been in the news recently. It has been, yes. We are currently experiencing a very, very bad outbreak of African horse sickness. It is a contagious disease that horses get from being bitten by infected midges. And um, the mortality rate varies between 50 and 95%, depending on which form of the disease they, they get. So we we do lose horses. and um, Even even your Lipitzanas? Yes. Yeah. We have unfortunately lost three. We lost an older mare on the stud farm. Um, she was euthanized on humane grounds because the horses do suffer. And a lot of them do live. But she had a pre-existing pre lung condition. And it just felt that it wasn't the right thing to try and do. She was 18 years old. Her name was Odom. And then unfortunately, we lost two other colts. They are both three and a half. And uh, they contracted the disease at the stud farm. And um, we couldn't save either of them, which is very sore, because they were supposed to come to the center to start their training as in now. So is this African horse sickness, is it uh, widely spread in South Africa? Yes. Um, the only area in South Africa that is free of African horse sickness is the Western Cape Peninsula. And that is also where our quarantine station is situated. So the rest of the area has um, is an infected zone. The, the Western Cape is split into, t into three zones, the free zone, the protection zone, and the surveillance zone. And in the state vet has, has determined what measures can be and cannot be taken in that area. That's very, very well controlled. And then the rest of the, the country is an infected zone. And we do vaccinate for the disease, but most vaccinations are not 100% protective, the same as in humans. And the horse sickness, has it had a big effect? Like what happens with horse racing, for example, because those horses move around quite a lot. Yeah, the movement is very controlled. Um, no movement is being allowed into the Western Cape at the moment from an area where there has been an outbreak. And is that a big horse racing area? Not so much. The horse racing happens a lot locally. There is definitely traveling from the Gauteng and Free State to the, to the Cape. But uh, there's race courses everywhere. So the racing continues, which is a good thing because racing is a very big generator of revenue in our country. What we cannot do at the moment is move horses from the infected zone into the controlled area, which is the rest of the Western Cape, without going through certain control measures. And they involve blood testing and um, quarantining and those kind of things. And how do you get rid of African horse sickness? You will never get rid of African horse oh, sickness. Really? The, the problem that we have in Africa is that the zebra can, carries the virus anyway, and we don't want to get rid of the zebra. That seems to be not a good idea. And we cannot get rid of the midges. We can only really control the disease. And for the horse owners out there, there are control measures that we take. And mostly they consist of uh, putting the horses in stables between the hours of what, four o'clock in the afternoon and nine o'clock in the morning. When the midges are active. When the midges are active. So they're exactly. night, so they're like, it's like a horse malaria. It is, yeah. it's very similar, yes. The distribution is also mostly around low-lying areas where there's water because that's where they breed. It's okay. very similar so it is, to malaria. Yeah, yeah absolutely. really interesting. Most of the insect-borne diseases are like that. And then we use um, insect repellents that have DEET in them. It's a particular ingredient that the midges are not liking. And we apply that to the horses, mostly along their top line, because the midges are very poor flyers. They just land on the top of the horse and then they feed there. And uh, things like putting fans in stables, that sort of thing also helps. And of course, the most important control measurement is vaccination. 
with a registered honest to put vaccine. And uh, I think that is being very, very well controlled in the competition horses now. People that take their horses to competitions have to present their passports. It gets checked that it's being done. The problem, however, is not really those horses because the problem are generally the horses that are not that well looked after because they're not competition horses and a lot of times that's where they slip. Ah, amazing. You see, we know so little about these things. So for our listeners, this is uh, really quite fascinating. The next piece we're going to play is the Annen Polka by Johann Strauss. And by the way, all these pieces at the beginning here are pieces that are used. We're going to hear about this in due course for the horses to be to do choreography. Yes, so, that's right. Uh, this is the Annen Polka by Johann Strauss. That was the Annen Polka by Johann Strauss, played by the Chicago Symphony Orchestra under Daniel Barenboim, the choice of Karen Burma, who's the head rider of the S.A. Lipizzaners. Just tell me about the name Lipizzaner. Where does that... It's obviously a, a German or... What, what word is it, Lipizzaner? It's a Hungarian name. <laughs> yes, the, the, the word Lipizzaner comes from the stud where the Lipizzaners were were initially bred. In a and town or something? Yeah, yeah, in the town of Lipica, which is in modern-day Slovenia. That's also why it's, it's spelled so strangely. And so it's Lipizzana. Yeah. Yes, Lipizza. it's with one P and two Zs. Yeah. And are, is there any uh, sort of copyright thing about calling them Lipizzanas, or they have to be tested to be pure Lipizzanas, and then you can call them Lipizzanas? There isn't that. There is the International Lipizzaner Federation, of which we as South African Lipizzaners are members, and the horses get registered there. So I suppose as much as you can call a German Shepherd dog a German Shepherd dog if it looks like one, it should really be a registered German Shepherd dog with the Breed Association. That's sort of the same thing. But there's something in my brain also which tells me that the, the foals and the fully grown horses are different colors also. Is that a distinguishing feature? Not is, really, no. Is it right or not? It, that is correct, yes. The the Lipizzaner is mostly a grey horse, which it, it translates to being a white horse. So what happens is that grey horses or white horses get born dark, black, brown or chestnut. And as they mature, with every coat change, they become lighter and lighter and lighter. And then eventually, by the time they are between 9 and 11 years old, they will be completely white. And the Lipizzaner gets called a white horse. Whereas any other horse that is white, that is not a Lipizzana, is called a grey horse. Grey is the correct way of naming that particular colour. Except in the case of Lipizzanas. Except in the case of the Lipizzanas. <laughs> Who came up with that? I have no idea. But that is just, that's how it seems One to be. One of those things. Yes. Yeah. Because all grey horses or white horses are born black. It's not just yeah. the Lipizzana that okay. is like that. The only horse that gets born white would be an albino. Yeah. And how did you get involved in them? That's quite a long story, actually. I wanted to become a Lipizzaner rider when I was six years old because we did a school tour in grade one, and um, I saw the horses train then. It was in some weekday, and I didn't realize that we actually stayed no, no more than three kilometers away from where the Lipizzaner Center is, and my parents very, very cleverly kept that from me. And I'd always said that this is what I will do one day, and uh, my parents, being fairly conservative and clever and intelligent, said, you will learn something and you will become something. And then when you have the time, you can always do that sort of thing. You know, play with horses, the little girl dream. And that's exactly what I did. I then I completed matric and I studied at Unisport and I became a vet and I practiced. And I kept saying to myself, by that time, obviously, I'd realized that the Lipizzanas were really close by. 
and I went and watched shows there and I took photographs for them as well. And um, I kept saying to myself, when I have the time, I will come and be a writer here. And, and then I heard through the student of the student program through the then chief writer of the Spanish, of not the Spanish writing school of the South African Lipitanas, who was also my writing instructor. And I inquired about the student program and she said, well, you know, it's a half day commitment for six months. And then I kept saying to myself, when I have the time, I will go and do that. And eventually I realized that when I have the time, I will probably be 75 years old and in a wheelchair and they may not want me anymore. And if something is really important to you, you will have to make the time. So I made the time and I completed the student program, always with the thought of, I would like to stay in the back of my mind and in the front of my mind saying, you can't do this. And then I realized that I can actually make the time. I just have to make up for the lost time at some other stage. And uh, I was offered a position as a trainee rider at the end of the six months and I stayed. So the people who ride the horses, are they are they doing it because they love it or is it a, a financial thing that's viable? It is not at all financially viable. No. We are a non-profit organization and when you deal with creatures that eat while you sleep, they eat first. So the salaries that we get paid are very, very, very low. Most of us manage to cover the petrol just and it's 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 more a labor of love than anything else. So you need to do the vet work as well. I need to do the vet work yeah. as well. Yes, absolutely. So all, all of the people who ride Lipitzanas have other jobs or yes. someone to keep them. Yes, they do. Yeah. yeah, that unfortunately is essential. And it sounds like it is a little bit mean, but it actually isn't because you learn so much. I can say for myself very honestly that when I rode in my first year there, I learned more there than I did in 10 years of riding before the time because you ride so many horses, you ride schooled horses, you ride unschooled horses, you get tuition the whole time. I got the opportunity to ride in side saddle. I now do long reining, I do work in hand. It's a lot of things that you will never be able to do as a competition rider. And these are skills that you can use in other places or is it very specific to these horses? Fairly specific to the horses. It does teach you horse handling skills in general that come in everywhere. I also have my own horse at home and um, he does compete. And I learn things at the Lipizzanus that I can use with him as well. But the actual performance stuff that we do is very specialized. And one more thing I'd like to know, is it possible if someone learns to be a Lipizzaner rider here, could they transfer those skills to one of the other Lipizzana centers around the world? Probably or has yes. anyone done that? Has anyone gone from here to to other centers? No, no, no. I think that is probably where the Spanish riding school comes in and that they will send people out to help okay. their daughter organizations, if you want to call it that. Here's another piece that you use for your horses, which is it's called Guiani, a song of jubilation by S.J. Corza. It's performed by the KZN Philharmonic. That was Guiani, a song of jubilation by S.J. Corza, South African composer, and it featured the UL choristers and the KZN Philharmonic Orchestra. That was a recording made a couple of years ago by Mark Chain, I think, who arranged many of those songs. In fact, we had Ruhr Corza on the program talking about these songs that he'd had orchestrated. The choice of Karen Burma, who's my guest in People of Note. She's a veterinary surgeon and head rider of the South African Lipitzanas. 
horses are obviously I don't know they're very special they have a, an attraction for people beyond other pets I think you you're you sort of get hooked on horses yes it's a uh, I don't know what that is I think there's something about the horse that captures the person Winston Churchill said there's something about the outside of a horse that is good for the inside of man and I think he, he was spot on there there's horses ring a bell inside us they, they touch something and um, yeah I think even so even more when you actually ride them and you spend time with them and you realize how different they all are personality wise yeah. and talent wise and everything and mood wise and mood wise <laughs> oh yes oh yeah no that also happens oh they can be moody yes and yeah. sometimes we are on the receiving end of that that does happen too <laughs> so you take you take the rough with the smooth yes I have been kicked in a performance in the long reins oh, really? wearing a dress at the Valentine's performance this year where the audience obviously heard the whack because you could hear the response from the <laughs> audience and all I could do was put a smile on my face and keep walking because the show must continue. Oh, I see. So uh, they do sometimes sort of take it out on you. Yes. Yeah, yeah. he had a bad day he, yeah. and he didn't appreciate it and he is the oldest horse in our center, Favori Elez. And uh, he just didn't feel like it today. And when I said, please, will you do a passage? And he said, no. I said, you will do a passage. And he said, no, I won't. He did passage afterwards. Yeah. But, um, yeah, he and decided just, he was going to keep Just for the me. listeners, passage is what? A passage is uh, a very elevated, high-energy trot that is contained. It's, um, it is probably the most beautiful movement that you can see. And it's also the most difficult to train. How do you train them? We start by running them free in our arena. We have an indoor arena for everybody who hasn't seen them yet. Also, that is a bit of a sacrilege, so please come. We turn the colts loose when they first arrive, after they've been familiarized with the arena in hand, and um, they run loose. So they get used to the performance environment. We then teach them the voice commands, walk, trot, and canter. And um, as soon as they understand that, we put them on the lunge, which is basically moving a horse in a circle on a very long lead around you and we use the voice commands there and they learn to move in the correct form and shape so that they become stronger and then eventually we start getting on. Your next choice is by Bernard Hendrik Crusell. It's part of a divertimento in C major. That was the Allegro from a divertimento in C major by Bernard Hendrik Crusell, the choice of Karen Burma head rider of the South African Lipizzaners, who's my guest in People of Note. So once you've trained the horses and they have to do what they do, it's a very standard pattern, is it, between, let's say, if you went to the Spanish Riding School in Vienna and you saw the horses here, is it very similar? Yes. The, the, we follow the classical dressage training, which is something that Xenophon started way before Christ. So it's, it stood the test of time. And um, it is not cruel. It is based on the horse understanding what it wants to do and getting rewarded for the right response. And if you want to call it that, getting punished for the wrong response by not having the reward. So the horse will start trying to achieve the reward more and more and more. And that is exactly how training happens. It's the same with children and dogs. We train and, them exactly the, the same way. the reward is a pat or a lump of sugar or something? The reward can be a lot of things. The reward can be, for example, a horse that doesn't want to travel forward and the rider has their leg on pushing with the leg and, and asking with the leg that the leg actually just gets removed. 
So just the the removal of something that the horse experiences as not pleasant is already a reward. Then, of course, there's a pet, there's a good boy, and there is the sugar cube, which we don't use. We give them horse food. It's just better for their teeth and yeah, their health. Sure, yeah. yeah, But so a rider develops a very special relationship with a particular horse. I mean, it's it's a very one-on-one thing, is it? Yes, it does happen, unfortunately, because we also have a bit of a problem in that we have quite a high turnover of, of riders, just yeah, for financial reasons. Takes, but it, yeah, I was going to say, it also takes a lot of time, I would think. Yes, yeah. it does, yeah. So we all have to be able to ride everybody's horses. That is just how it is. Um, but there are certainly horses that are more special to certain people than others. And we do have a, our allocated horses. I think that is a very important thing that the the bond between the rider and the horse remains because only then can you do efficient training. And the horses, like other animals, dogs or cats, definitely recognize the people that they're working with. Oh, yes, very much so. Yeah. yeah. And get used to their voices and all that sort of yes. thing. Yes. And how they ride also, I suppose. Exactly. And that's why it's so important to continue with the classical training because nowadays there's so many different ways of training horses and animals. And we cannot do it like that because then you make the horse rideable by one person and not anybody else. And that horse essentially becomes useless to the center if that person leaves. And the instructions while you're riding are given to the horse by means of pressure from legs or reins or speech as well? Not speech. Initially in the training, absolutely yes, because the horse needs to understand what the pressure of the leg means, the pressure of the rein means, and an adjustment of weight. So we always use our weight first because it's the the most influence that we can put onto the horse, followed by the leg and the hand. And the horses learn those aids. We try not to use our voice very much because we are a performing team and it becomes a bit awkward when everybody's talking to their horses. And it becomes a chatter. It's, the yeah. horses don't understand the actual words, yeah. save a couple. Well, your next choice is probably from that sort of era when they were used in Vienna, the Emperor Waltz by Johann Strauss. The famous Emperor Waltz by Johann Strauss, played by the Johann Strauss Orchestra of Vienna under Willy Boskowski. And that's very appropriate because the Lipizzaner horses, of course, are very closely associated with Vienna, as I'm sure many listeners who've been to Vienna may even have seen them there. Do you have a lot of people coming to see the horses here? Unfortunately, fewer and fewer. It's actually, it's very sad that that is happening. I think we... As, a, as South Africans, we are starting to lose our culture a little bit, which is quite sad. And I think a lot of times it's a bit of a matter of people think, well, I don't know anything about horses. I'm not going to enjoy it. You don't have to know anything about horses to enjoy the Lipitana performance. You don't even have to like horses because a lot of it is about the war. We tell you a bit about history and there is a, a huge visual component there's some very exciting things to see. And then, of course, it's a it's an auditory experience as well with the music. It's a sort of horse ballet. It is, yeah. yes. We actually call the quadrille the ballet of the white stallions. Yeah. No, and I've, I've been, uh, I must say, many years ago, I came to see it. And it's pretty impressive, I must say. And, Thank you. And I hope, you know, lots of people will talk about when you perform and so on uh, in a moment so that people will tell us now when you perform. We have a performance every Sunday at half past 10. Uh, it is at uh, Plot 1 Dahlia Road in Kalami, where the South African Lipizzaner Center has been since 1961. 
And um, you can usually have tickets at the door. We do have special performances once in a while for days like Mother's Day, for example, Father's Day. And for those, they, they tend to be more popular and those often should probably be booked at CompuTicket. And uh, every performance that we have, even the Sunday ones, are listed under CompuTicket under Lipizzaners with one P and two Zs. <laughs> Lipizzana. So you perform basically once a week. Yes, we do. Yeah. And uh, in order to put on those performances, how much do you have to rehearse, as it were, if that's the right word? Okay, we train the horses from 9 o'clock in the morning until 12.30 every, every day, day except Monday. Monday is their holiday day, and Monday is our day where we make money. And then um, on a Saturday they go for an outride because everybody needs a little bit of leisure time. So essentially we work them, train them specifically four days a week, and then the other two days are performance and, and rest and relaxation. So it does, it takes up quite a lot of time for whoever's riding. Yes, it does. It's yeah. a half-day job. It really yeah. is. Um, and when you say your audiences are perhaps less than they used to be, uh, what can your auditorium hold? We can seat 480 people, and if we have to squeeze them, we can get to 512. Gosh, that's, that's quite a lot of people to get every week, and it's, uh, you can only get there by car. Yes. Yeah. Unfortunately, we don't have the car train. It's very far away. And, uh, yeah, but you can cycle. Yeah. Yes. So that's in Kailami. It's in Kailami, yeah. Well, we're going to hear a traditional piece now sung by Catherine Jenkins, Kalon Lan, it's called. Kalon Lan, that was Catherine Jenkins singing a traditional Welsh piece arranged by Mr. Hughes. The choice of Karen Burma, who's the head rider at the South African Lipizzanas. And she was saying that you can see performances on Sundays at 10 o'clock. 10.30. 10.30. And it's a real outing. Can, I mean, are there facilities to have lunch and tea and things there or not? Yes. We have a little cafe. It's called Cafe Capriol, after the Capriol, which is a, a war movement. And uh, we serve simple food there, but very tasty. And um, you can sit under the, the beautiful syringa tree that we have in the courtyard. And uh, we also allow people to feed the horses carrots after the performance. It's quite a tradition that we do here. At the Spanish Riding School, you're not even allowed to touch. You can look, but do not touch. And uh, here at the South African Lipizzanas, you can absolutely touch. And if people come out, uh, do you allow people to come and watch the rehearsals at all? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We are always open from uh, 9 until half past 12 on the weekdays. People are welcome to come and watch at any time. They don't have to phone, but they can, obviously, phone. And we also do children's parties and group tours and that kind of thing, which gets arranged through the office, and you just do it on the website. Karen Burma is the head rider of the South African Lipizzanas and a veterinary surgeon. You're listening to People of Note on Classic 1027. It's just about 7 o'clock. We'll be back after this. That was the introduction and royal march of the lions from the Carnival of the Animals by Camille Saint-Saëns. John Ogden and Brenda Lucas were the pianists there with the City of Birmingham Symphony Orchestra. You're listening to People of Note on Classic 1027. If you've just joined us, my guest tonight is Karen Burma, who is a veterinary surgeon and the head rider of the South African Lipizzanas. Have you been to all the other Lipizzana centers, or have you been to any of them? I went to the Spanish Riding School last year, 
and uh, it was arranged from for the, for the first time for the not really no I was there in 2006 I was uh, cycling through Europe and I literally had 30 minutes and I decided that I had to go and see this so I watched the training they also do that you have to pay at the Spanish riding school at the South African Lipizzaners you don't have to pay to watch the training and I managed to have a glimpse of the training back in 2006 and then again we went um, the, not last year the year before last I'm still in 2018 in 2017 we went for seven days we did a course there we were allowed to touch the horses we were not allowed to sit on them but we were allowed to touch <laughs> them and, uh, and now, we learned a lot here's another interesting thing are the other riders in Vienna all men or not not anymore they used to be all yeah. men there are now two ladies riding there last I saw and they it was quite difficult I believe for these two ladies to get into the team because of their tradition yeah, yeah, yeah. as much as we have our tradition they have theirs and because it was obviously military it was just not heard of that a woman would be sitting on one of their horses but I think they had to go with the times the same as we do and uh, they now have women there as well and I'm just interested, these various moves that they do, let's say the, uh, I, don't, I can imagine the one where they kick their legs out both yes. ways simultaneously could be quite useful on the battlefield to get people out of the way. That's exactly what they were designed for, yeah. Really? Yeah. So they could sort of do it on command to, yes. to smash down people who were standing around the horse. Yes, that's exactly what they did. Um, it was it was performed under saddle, the, so obviously the soldier was sitting on the horse. We show these movements in hand now, where the, the handler is next to the horse. At the Spanish Riding School, you can see some of the movements also under saddle. And we are working towards having one, possibly two horses that we do this under saddle with. And But the other movements like that trotting that you mentioned? Yeah, there's the passage, which is the, it's a traveling trot with very high elevation. And then there's the piaf, which is the trot on the spot. And the PF is a, apart from the fact that it's a very beautiful movement, it is an expression of excitement by the stallion in the natural environment. We don't train any movements that are not natural to the horse anyway, because classical dressage is not like that. It's not trick training. We don't teach them to bow. We don't teach them to roll over or anything like that. We use the horse's natural instincts and their natural movement and just beautify those by shaping them. After this piece, which is a plea from Africa by Sibongale Kumalo, I want to hear about the choreography that you use and why you use music. Let's listen to this. This is plea from Africa, Sibongale Kumalo. The wonderful voice of Sibongale Kumalo singing plea from Africa. The composer was John Knox Bokwe, and that was the chamber orchestra of South Africa under Arian Tin, the choice of Karen Burma, my guest in People of Note. Why do you use music and what does it do for you and for the horses? Okay, um, <laughs> yes, so we use music because we, sh we, we have a performance, it's a show. So people don't generally want to see horses. If you don't know anything about horses, then you won't appreciate what the horse is doing because you have to have some background knowledge and we can't expect the public to have that knowledge. It is also traditional that the horses perform to music. Because in Vienna of, also? In, uh, yes, yeah. yeah, everywhere in the world. They always perform to music. The music, because it has a specific beat, gives you the rhythm of the ride. So it's also quite important to choose the correct music for the horse because you can take their the rhythm away from them by having music that doesn't suit them. And um, the horses enjoy it and the riders enjoy it. Yeah, so it has to be relatively loud so that they can hear it? 
Clearly. The horses hear much better than we do. I think a lot of times I feel a bit guilty for making them listen to music that is quite loud. Yeah. And we do get some horses that do react to music as they go underneath the loudspeaker, for example, when there happens to be yeah. a drum roll yeah. or whatever at the time. We do get some reactions that, pe- that people can notice that as well. But presumably when they were originally trained to be in battle, there was a lot of noise, I should think. Yes, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we try not to have to do that. <laughs> No, but I, I think it's uh, quite fascinating because you do, uh, so you choreograph the pieces, if, if that's the right word, choreograph that is the, the right pieces word. Yeah. To, to start and finish with the music. Not really, no. no. What we do is we, we work the choreography out first. So, for example, a quadril with eight horses, you want to have the horses together, then you want to have them split, then you want to have them in four quadrants. You want it to look pleasing, like a, like a dance. Yeah. It needs to be look nice. And then we decide which gate we use because the the different gates have got different beats. The walk is a four beat, the trot is a two beat, and the canter is a three beat with a moment of suspension. So it's still actually a four beat. You can't use a waltz to canter because yeah, yeah. you're missing a leg somehow. It just doesn't work. But it is essentially a three beat. And then um, we video the choreography with everybody. And then I go home. And then I sit at home and I get an idea of what I sort of want to play because different types of music suit different audiences and different occasions and then I I play and I look and I play and I look and I play and I look and eventually I have a couple of pieces that actually suit the movements and then I plug everything into a a audio editing program and then it takes long and then eventually we have something at the end and then we write to it and then it doesn't work out so then we end up having to add a circle somewhere or something like that to make them because you can't just cut a piece of music wherever the choreography says you have to, you have to continue with the phrase. So we then make the adjustments at the end, the fine tuning happens afterwards. And your next choice is the music of the night. That was the music of the night from Phantom of the Opera by Andrew Lloyd Webber. Gerard Butler was the singer there with the soundtrack orchestra under Simon Lee. It's the choice of Karen Burma. Karen, where do you come from originally? I was I mean, obviously born in German, Johannesburg. German extraction. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I was born in Johannesburg. My parents were born in Namibia, Southwest Africa at the time. And their parents immigrated from Germany. My my mother's parents came from East Prussia, also a very horse, horse-rich environment. And my father's parents came from uh, Schlesien, which is now Poland. That was in the early 1900s. And they, we've been in Africa ever since. And obviously here to stay. Yes, here to stay. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Uh, because obviously with, with horses, there's uh, ongoing work for vets for a start. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and when you say, I think off air, you said to me, you only deal with big animals now, not small ones. Do you only deal with horses or do you deal with cows as well? I only deal with horses. I used to do a little bit of cattle work for the horse owner that happened to have a cow in the backyard, but always under <laughs> under duress. Yeah. And kicking and screaming. And um, I have now decided after 20 years of practice that I will now do what I want to do and, and not, not anything else. Well, and I should think there's plenty of work. Maybe um, maybe that should be a question. Is there plenty of work in yes. horses? Yeah. There's enough work in horses. Um, just in the Kailami area, there are 25,000 horses. Really? There are more horses than people in Kailami. 25,000? Yes. It is the highest density of horses in the world where there is no breeding going on. I mean, other than 
You know, there's there's some small breeding happening, but not the big stud farms. That becomes different. So where are the horse centres? I know Colesburg used to be one. I don't know if it still is. There are several ho- yeah. home horse centres in the area. Moy River. Um, I mean, in the in the country. Yeah. Yeah, Moy River has a lot of. There are horses everywhere, yeah. literally. Um, but well, if you look at the census... Do you know how many? I mean, what is the horse population of South Africa? I have absolutely no idea. But I mean, if there are 25,000 in Kailami, it must be a big number. It is a big number. Yeah. The The Kailami horses are the, the sort of the metropolis yeah. of South Africa, if you want to say it that. Um, that is also because that's where people started putting their establishments yeah. up, obviously around Johannesburg with the gold yeah. rush and, and everything. And it just it just established here. But horses are, or I can't say are, but can be quite finicky creatures also in terms of looking after them. I mean, they, they seem to be have a lot of stuff that goes wrong. Yeah. I, I'm, thinking, I'm just <laughs> yes. thinking aloud now, colic, uh, and looking after them, being, you know, um, shooing them and all that sort of stuff. There's a lot of work around horses. Yes, there is a lot of work around horses, and there's also a lot of money that goes into horses, which is quite sad. Um, there's that bumper sticker of I used to be rich now I have a horse and that is very true um, horses cost a lot of money and like I said before they are creatures that eat while you sleep and they don't ever stop eating so they are expensive and it's it's something yeah I suppose people have to just budget for and, horses and bite the bullet and bite the bullet yeah. if you want them you must pay for them here comes Wagner this is the sailors chorus from the Flying Dutchman That was the Sailor's Chorus from The Flying Dutchman by Richard Wagner, the Berlin State Opera Chorus and Orchestra under Wilhelm Schuchter. Gosh, that's quite a mouthful. Uh, and the choice of Karen Burmer, who's my guest in People of Note. We were talking about the, um, the amount of horses in South Africa. Is th- the interest in horses, is it very steady? Because I, I know quite a lot of young girls is it very popular with young girls rather than young boys or is it fairly balanced i think it's more popular with girls because i think you read the black beauty when you're a child whereas the boys probably don't read that they would read robin hood and i think that there's this romantic feeling about horses and i do think that horses do like i said before they touch something in you and i think girls are a little bit more yes yeah yeah, girls are a bit more receptive to that sort of thing um, what becomes interesting, though, is that the boys that ride past matric appear to carry on riding for the rest of their lives, whereas girls a lot of times will stop riding when they're in matric because other things become more important, studying, boyfriends, and then career. And they leave it. And a lot of times they leave it. And we do get some people that come into the Lipizzanas. We do a seat improvement course ladies that then say I am now 40 and I've just started riding again I used to ride as a child and I think it's when their when their career is no longer well, there the, and they don't have to look at the responsibilities of children yes exactly and now yeah. that they have the time again they will make the time to ride again and and I suppose it's a it's a good hobby to have it keeps you fit it does yeah. very much so and also for the youth it keeps them out of nightclubs it keeps them away from drugs it keeps them away from all the places you as a parent want to keep them away from. And horses are also used for therapeutic purposes, yes. aren't they? Yes, very Tell much Tell us a so. bit about that. Yeah. Um, there are a couple of centers around Johannesburg that use horses for therapeutic riding. It's actually an organization called Riding for the Disabled. And they, they deal with uh, various disabilities, cerebral palsy being one of them, 
um, mental disabilities, physical disabilities, and that is very, very important. I remember as a second year in in Onustapurt, we had to help with the riding for the disabled that was being held there, and it was every second Tuesday, and I used to be terrified because I was quite happy to hold the horse, but just to have to deal with the people was very difficult for me. And it was amazing, though, over the year how you saw a person that arrived, how much they improved physically as well as mentally just being with the horses. And we have a student program at the South African Lipizzaners, and we had a, a girl there who had cerebral palsy. And when she arrived, she really, really battled. And she took a liking to my solo horse, who was very kind to her and looked after her incredibly well. And then she was there for two years. Over the two years, she got stronger and stronger and stronger. And eventually, the solo horse bucked her off every time she got on because he obviously realized that she can cope now. Yeah. And uh, it, it was very amazing how just the riding improved her yeah. so much. Yeah, fantastic story. And here comes your next choice, which is from Nabucco. It's the famous Slaves Chorus by Verdi. Va Pensiero from Nabucco, the famous Slaves Chorus by Verdi, played by the Chicago Symphony Orchestra and Chorus under Sir George Scholte. And strange enough, that will be used in the Bocelli concert when he's here, and that's just before Easter. And I'm afraid it's too late if you wanted tickets for that, because as far as I know, it's sold out. But um, my choir will be singing in that concert and the Joburg Festival Orchestra playing for it, so that's going to be quite fun at the Dome which is sort of out your way. I suppose, no, Kailami is probably straight north. Kailami is straight north, but yeah, the dome isn't that far yeah. away. But just to remind listeners, uh, every Sunday morning at 10.30, you can see the Lipizzanas in action at their home in Kailami. Kadali Avenue, was it? Dahlia, the Dahlia. flower. Oh, like yeah. a flower. Like the flower, yeah. yes. Dahlia Avenue in Kailami, 10.30 every Sunday, and you can get tickets at CompuTicket. Tickets are compu ticket, and if you want to just take a flyer, you can come on a Sunday. If it's not a special performance, you'll get tickets at the door. And it lasts for how long? The show is just under an hour and a half, and uh, we don't have an interval. It's uh, it's straight through, and there's beverages and things on sale before and after the performance. So you can make a Sunday morning of it. You can get tea before and then lunch afterwards if you want. Yes. Sounds like a fantastic outing and one that many people should make because it's really uh, a very special experience watching this. It is, yes. Yeah. I think what people don't realize is how rare these horses really are and how hard they've worked to stay here. It's uh, th There's been very bad things that have happened to not just the South African Lipizzanas but to the Lipizzana breed in, in general with the wars and the yeah. displacements that they've been through. And you said earlier on that it's an NGO do people donate to it, or how, how how do you keep going? I mean, you can't exist on one performance a week, can no, you? No, we don't. We have a sponsorship program uh, for the horses. That was set up in 2008, and at the time, the sponsorship was a 1,000 rand a month, which in 2008 more or less did feed the horse. We still ask for a minimum of a 1,000 rand a month now, and the way that works is that you pick yourself a stallion, either a stallion at the center or a mare or a foal at the stud farm, and you support that horse for a period of a year or longer. We have had some people that have been absolutely amazing. They have, my solo horse, for example, has been sponsored ever since he was born. And he is now rising 12. So this lady is still sponsoring every the month. The same person? The same yeah. person, amazing. yes. Yeah. And she also sponsored his adoptive mother. His mother died and one of our mares, in fact, the one that did die of horse sickness earlier this year. She took him on and... Uh, 
she looked after him, and I think um, Mrs. Aiden was so taken aback by that that gesture that mm. she sponsored both those horses. Um, so yeah. So there you are. If you want to get involved, you can go and watch it, but you could also support a horse because it's something very unusual and something very special. And here comes some music now by Georges Bizet. It's played on the piano. It's part of the Lalesian suite, and it's a minuet. Olga Kern is the pianist. Beautiful playing from someone who visits South Africa regularly, Olga Kern. That was the Lalesian suite minuet by Georges Bizet. The choice of Karen Burma, who's my guest on People of Note. And we were talking about performances. I'm quite interested when you said you took one of the horses up in a lift. Obviously, you can do performances in other places. I mean, it sounds pretty bizarre to have a horse inside a building up at the top of which building was it? It was the Sandton Convention Center. Yeah. Mm. That was before my time, but it's a story that gets told over and over and over. <laughs> do you, can you travel them around the country to do shows? Yes, but we do do that. it's expensive, I guess, because you have to put them all in horse boxes. We use a trucking company, um, TAC Horse Transport. They do that for us. And um, we can transport up to about 13 horses to performances, and we go as far as Cape Town. Okay. We have traveled. It's uh, the Cape Town is always a bit problematic because of the movement restrictions. Yes. So we pick the time. That's not so difficult. Just a matter of interest, is that an ongoing restriction? Yes, the yes. movement restriction is always there. We okay. always have to have a permit for it. Yeah. But the, there's an embargo on movement as soon as there's an outbreak from whichever area the outbreak is, there's an embargo into going into the Cape from there. Okay, then I have another question because uh, I thought this horse sickness was always around, but does it does it come and go? It is seasonal, yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It's, uh, it has to do with midge activity. So in okay. winter, the midge activity goes down and then we see almost no cases and this in summer... Yeah, it gets bad. Okay, sorry, I interrupted you. You were talking about moving the horses. Moving the, the horses, yes. No, we can travel to pretty much anywhere. We and you have, have been. Yes, yeah. we have been to Shangweni in the last two years, Kalkluf, um, uh George, and Paul. And are those popular when you take them out of Joburg? Yes, they are. I think it's because the people that are there are now seeing this as a this is a lifetime opportunity. They're not going to have a, the opportunity again unless they come to Johannesburg. And do you do the same sort of show that you do here? Similar show, yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I remember very vividly having the horses at the fireworks. We used to do an annual fireworks concert, and it was very spectacular. And we used to get thousands of people coming. And one year we decided to have the horses, so we made a circle in the middle of the audience, and the orchestra was on the stage, which mm -hmm. was at the far end of the field, and we played, and you did your thing in the center, and then... Went off again. Yes, it was yeah. quite amazing. Yeah. So I'm. Let's do it again. Yeah. Well, we, we, yeah, but fireworks are not so popular I know. anymore. Yeah. Yeah. They really not. And I would imagine, uh, do you have fireworks out your way, Kyle Army? Because with all those horses, it can't be very popular. Um, it's not popular, but unfortunately, there is still people that live in and around the area that don't really care for their neighbours' horses yeah. or their neighbours' dogs, for that matter, or their own, and they still set fireworks off. We don't have a big problem with horses, yeah. though. They seem to be better off than the dogs. Yeah. And then our horses are war horses, so they should know. They should. Yeah. <laughs> From long ago, if they've got good memories. Exactly. Your next choice is by Leopold Mozart, another Viennese composer. Well, he was in Salzburg, actually but same sort of area. This is his Toy Symphony, and it's the first movement. There we are, talking about fireworks. 
That was the Toy Symphony, first movement, the Allegro by Leopold Mozart, the Academy of St. Martin in the Fields under Sir Neville Mariner. It's quite interesting because uh, making toys like that was very popular in the mountains around Salzburg, which is why a, a lot of composers actually wrote toy symphonies. Leopold Mozart was just one of them. And it was, in a way, I think, to advertise and popularize these toys which were made. And I guess it was sort of early sales technique. I suppose this yeah. is the best advertising you can have. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, have you got any um, tours planned in the future for your horses? We are going to Virginia and the Free State now on the 6th of April. I suppose that is after this has been recorded. Yeah. So, um, that's the one that's coming up. We are probably going to be going down to the Cape around Christmas time again, like we did last year. There is a potential to go to Uplands, which is near Dalstrom. That would be at the end of Mar uh, May. And um, then we do whenever people ask us to come. A lot of times it's, a, it's an organizer that organizes something and they want the Lipizzanas as an added attraction. And then we come there, so they bring their spectators and we bring our spectators yeah. and it works very well like that. And you can do things with just one horse if you want to. Yes, we can. Yeah. yeah. So it doesn't have to be the whole team. Not at all. No. We do weddings. We do we do, do memorials as well. And, as and long depends. as people pay. As long as people pay because we have to feed these horses yeah. and keep them alive. Yes. Yeah. Uh, weddings are very, very popular and it's very beautiful, I must admit. We usually have a team of two horses there and very much what the client wants. But it's just, it's for the look of it because they're beautiful to look at. Beautiful to look at and... Uh, Beautiful to enjoy. And beautiful for a white wedding because they're white. That's it, yes. Yeah. And we do do photo shoots with them. Yeah. So the, the bride gets to take photos with the horses. Um, that, that works very nicely. It's popular. And when we get some photos back, they're absolutely amazing. It's stunning. So there are many different ways that the horses have to earn their keep. Um, and I I have you got a website? Yes. Our website is www.lipizzaner.com. .co.za, so with one P and two Zs and an S at the end. www.lipizzanas.co.za One P, two Zs, mm -hmm. and both I's, Lipizzana. That's right, yeah. yeah. www.lipizzanas, with an S, .co.za. So that's all the information about them, and I guess some beautiful photographs as well. There are some very nice photographs there as well, yeah. Our sponsors are listed on that on that website together with a photo of their horse. Um, you can look up what you can do. There's ways of how you can join the team. It's a very it's a very exhaustive website. There's a lot of things to, to see, and if you start on it, you get stuck on it for quite a while. And here comes some more music that's used for the horses. This is by Joseph Lanner, Neuer Wiener Lendler. That was the Neue Wiener Ländler by Joseph Lanner, performed by the Tanzquartett Vienne. So lots of Viennese connections. And I'm sure you'd be interested to hear how many of our listeners have been to this. So if, if any of you go to the website, can they contact you via the website? Yes, we have a contact us yeah. section and you can do web requests in terms of you would like to come with a group or you would like us to perform at your wedding or whatever the case may be. And, uh, yeah, very interactive. www.lipizzaners.co.za L-I-P-I-Z-Z-A-N-E-R-S Lipizzaners www.lipizzaners.co.za And just because we're in our last uh, voice track now, 
Sundays 10.30. Dahlia or Dahlia Street in Kyalami. You can book a compu ticket. It lasts for an hour and a half from 10.30 to 12 and is well worth a visit. And there's a cafe so you can have drinks and food before and after. It will make, I'm sure, it would make a lovely Sunday outing. It and does. I'm sure many people do it. Yes, it does. Yeah. We have people that's, that linger there until about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And there's plenty of parking. And there's everything. plenty of parking. Yeah. We have a car guard as well that doesn't leave until the last person has left. As but well. also, if you want to go during the week, 9 to 12.30 on Tuesday to Friday is their rehearsal time or what do you call time. it? Training yep. time. So you can go along and have a look what's going on. And I'm sure it would be make a wonderful outing for a group of, I'm, I'm thinking of homeschoolers or whoever. Yes, uh, we, we do specifically group tours, yeah. also for photography schools and that fantastic. sort of thing. So there you are, lots to go and see and hear and watch. Uh, and you are always there, are you? Yes, unless I get an emergency. The Libazana managements have been very, very very kind to me in that if I have a, an emergency that my assistant doesn't deal with, can't deal with, or this she's is, away. This is you as a vet. As now. a vet, yeah. I'm allowed to, to leave because we have a cell phone ban yeah. while we're riding. Oh, okay. I'm the only person who's allowed to have a cell phone in the indoor because it's distracting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, that's how that goes. So there you are. And you will see uh, Karen Burma in action there every day except Monday when she's probably trying to earn her keep. But I thank you for taking time out to come and talk to us because I think it's pleasure. really fascinating. And your final choice is Lily Bolero. This is a famous Irish tune played by the Philip Jones Brass Ensemble. The famous Lily Bolero, uh, a traditional Irish tune, I think it is, played by the Philip Jones Brass Ensemble. And Karen was just telling me that she uses that for one of her uh, exercises with the horses, sitting side saddle. Yeah, this is the canter music for the side saddle solo, which we show most Sundays, not every Sunday, but most Sundays. And it's a, it's a very nice piece to ride to. So there you go. Lots of things to see and hear at the Lipizzaner Horses. And I just want to say thank you to Karen for coming in and talking to us about it. And uh, you said you had some tickets to give away too. Yes, we have two sets of two d tickets to give away. And... Um, I don't know if you would like to ask a question specifically well, I for think they an should answer. Just, maybe they should, should contact, contact you. us through yeah, the website. I think contact you through the website. And if you're lucky enough, you will get those tickets to go and see the horses. So there we go. www.lipitsarnas.co.za. And we thank you at home for listening. And thank you also to Pitt for helping us put the whole program together. And until next time, from all of us here at Classic 1027, we wish you a very good night.